you're doing the IB, I don't know how good an idea it is to do to apply to American universities because like if you want to apply to the US, it seems more efficient to just do the SATs and APs. So like go to an international school that offers that. Because if you do like a lot of people they they do the IB and then they're like, oh, I want to apply to the US and the UK. So I'll just do my SATs as well. Um, but the problem is, it sounds okay in theory, but then when the actual workload of everything comes um, like tumbling down on you, you might not have enough time to study for everything properly. And also you some, some of them, like if they want to go to the super competitive universities, they might want to do like some APs as well just to be super competitive. And then they might want to do a lot of CCAs and win a lot of competitions because the I think the Ivy League universities really place a lot of emphasis on that. I can't comment on that in too much detail because I didn't apply to the U US, but that's my general impression of like friends who applied there. So I think it's a lot more efficient if you just do the SATs and APs if you are really set on going to the US. Um, but as for students applying to UK, I'm not really sure about any other countries because I didn't look at other options. I think IB is fine if you're going to the UK. UK is slightly more straightforward in that if you get a high score on your IB and then you write a pretty decent personal statement, uh, you can get into most of the Russell Group universities. Yeah, like friends who got like 40 and above when they apply to the UK, most of them, they, they can get in pre pretty, um, like it's pretty okay, yeah, I think. Um, so I think that's my advice for people who are considering like going overseas. Okay. And um, so another thing that I want to ask was like, what activities do you pursue to prepare yourself for admissions? Like, because I read from your article, right? That um, you had a lot of disciplines that you're interested in and you took the gap year to kind of just explore all of them, right? So how did you plan and manage your time such that you're able to you know, explore as many of your interests as you want and whether, you know, that helped in building your portfolio. Mm, I think that, um, so I think I'll start off this part by saying that um, although I did a few like extracurriculars in school, I never actually used that in my final application. So in my final, like the one that got in my personal statement, I didn't mention any extracurriculars at all. Um, because I already took a gap year. So like if I still go back and reference my old extracurriculars, like it sounds like I didn't do anything during my gap year. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but I can tell you more about like what I did during my JC and like how it helped me. So the main extracurriculars I did were Model UN. So my school organized a Model UN and then uh, I was uh, the head organizer for that. Um, and I was the head of the journalism club at my school. And also I organized a few like a volunteer work activities. And I think the for the UK, extracurriculars are probably more useful if you want to apply for scholarships, not really for um, the actual application itself, unless the extracurricular is directly related to your major. So for example, if you're applying for economics, um, you can write that 
you won some economics competition or you started like your own economics club or something. Or you can write about uh, an external essay that you did in econs or H3 econs. Yeah, but other than that, um, I don't think they're too interested in like your volunteer work and stuff, at least for Oxbridge, they're, they're really not that interested. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so other than that, um, so do you think like the things that you did during your gap year would have, you know, helped to build up your portfolio for your admissions into Oxford? During my gap year, like uh, a really common question I get asked is like, what did I do? And then I would just tell the person like, um, 90% of what I did was just read and expand my knowledge and think about the subject. And then they'll be like, no, 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 but like, what do you do? <laughs> I'm like, no, like I just read. Because <laughs> for Oxbridge, like that's really all they're looking for. They're looking for people who uh, are really interested in the subject and can think really well about the subject. So there are three factors that, three fa- yeah, three factors that go into the applications process. One is the uh, the admissions test and then your written essay and then also an interview so like all three components are about like directly related to the subject so the admissions test is like for history it's a source-based analysis but it's like a lot more complicated than the ones we get in school because it's from like a random historical period and then the question they ask is like very general and then you have to sort of like infer from it and narrow down to what you want to say so I spent a lot of time practicing on that as well. And then for the interview, that one's more difficult to prepare because it's kind of, it's actually pretty impossible to prepare for entirely. But what one can do is choose a few areas of like history and politics or whatever major you're applying for that appeal to you. Because for like, for history, there are so many periods and so many themes that you can discover and explore. So just choose a few that you want to so-called specialize in and then uh, analyze those really deeply. And what you're trying to get from that experience is just the ability to think deeply and think in a very like multifaceted way about a certain historical topic. Yeah, and you would use that same kind of thinking during the interview. Yeah, I wouldn't say I did anything very extraordinary. Um, It's mostly just like sitting down and reading. Yeah, (laughs) it sounds very boring. I know it's a very boring answer and no one likes to hear it. (laughs) And, And another thing is that if hearing that doesn't really appeal to you, then maybe um, Oxbridge is, is not really like the best choice because it is a lot of reading um, and it's a very academically based course. Yeah, but at the same time, it, it doesn't mean that like, like I, I hear a lot of people say like, oh, I got rejected and I, I'm not good enough for Oxford. But it's sort of like the other way around, like Oxford doesn't fit what you want out of life. Uh, and out of your experience, yeah. So it's another way to see whether you would like that kind of studying rhythm and environment, yeah. So mostly like the preparations that you did for like your Oxford admissions was mostly just, you know, reading the disciplines that you're interested in and analyzing them, is that correct? Yeah, I would say those are the things that um, were helpful in the application, but all the other things I did during my gap year were helpful to me but not for the application, yeah. So actually, during your gap year, right, did you ever consider taking up internships? Um, I actually didn't really consider taking up internships because uh, one was because of COVID, so I didn't really want to go out so often. Mm. Um, and secondly, because 
I found myself really occupied with other projects that I was doing and also uh, taking a lot of courses and thinking about my future career and then taking courses related to that career option. So yeah, in terms of internships, I was thinking about like leaving those to to the next year, which is this year, like leaving those to 2021. Yeah. So I met from your LinkedIn profile. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> no, well. I do that too. <laughs> that you are like a marketing strategy intern, right? At Finnish yeah. Language School. Yeah. So what is it like, if you don't mind me asking? Um, it's mostly like, actually it's mostly coordinating with um, many stakeholders about um, like what they actually want of the, the marketing campaigns. Like for example, I might come up with a certain kind of brand strategy and the people working at Tensia might, might be like, um, oh, that totally is like off-brand for us. We, we don't want to do that. Or also sometimes you come up with like a marketing calendar that fits them and then they, they think it's a good idea, but then they don't have enough resources and manpower to continue that marketing campaign after I've left. So it's a lot of like thinking about how to integrate your creative and copy with the current systems that are present in the company and learning that just because you can imagine something doesn't mean it can happen. Yeah. I see, I see. So um, is your internship, like the current internship that you're taking, right? Is it related to, you know, your uni course or like any career options that you're considering at the moment? Mm, I think it is like tangentially related. The internship is actually ending but it has already ended. I think I forgot to update my LinkedIn. Yeah. Um, it's, it's already ended. And then the one that I'm um, starting next week is more directly related. So that one is portfolio management. So that's one of the main like careers that I'm looking at. Uh, in terms of marketing, I wouldn't say it's a main skill that I would have. It, it's not really a main career that I want, like marketing, doing marketing for a company. But I think it's very, it's a very useful way to think about the world because it's actually a very difficult job to think about like what people want and how people would react to a certain post and it's got me thinking a lot about like um like how societies react to certain products like uh, and then I went to research um about a lot of historical advertising campaigns uh, there was this really interesting campaign of um, like uh, advertisement for smoking and then the advertiser managed to spin the narrative of smoking into one of empowerment. It's like, what? Smoking? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like so oh. insane. Yeah, I think it was in the early, uh, early 1900s. He managed to take like cigarettes and then I think he called them like torches of, oh, I can't torches of liberty or something. Uh, yeah, I, I'll Google it later. can't remember. <laughs> I, I read about it quite long ago. Um, and then he got a bunch of like female debutantes to light up cigarettes and stuff. I, I can't remember. Okay. I'm, I'm like making things up now. I don't want to make things up, but um, it is an actual ad campaign that happened. So it, it got me thinking about like how public opinion is like swayed by certain kind of messaging. And I think it's, I wouldn't really call it a soft skill. What would you call that? Like it's, it's something, it's a skill that will help you in any industry that you go to but it's not something that you can really write in your CV. Like you can't really say in your CV, like I know to 
predict how people think and I know how to change the way crowds think. Um, well, I, I don't, but like, it, even if you did, like you can't really write that in your CV, but then it would show in, like for example, when you're doing investments uh, as a portfolio manager and stuff, like the stock market isn't really a reflection of the actual economy. I mean, it is partially, but really it's a reflection of like what people think of a certain uh, industry or business. So in a certain way, like they're related, which is why um, like, I think at this age, like specializing in one, um, specializing in one uh, discipline is not really helpful because there are a lot of like crossovers that can be learned. Yeah, I don't know if I explained that well, sorry. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The skill that you mentioned earlier could also be like, you know, building up our awareness about how media actually affects the way we see the world. Yeah, yes. The way like it influences, the amount of influence it has on the way we perceive things and that you know, we should always have like a very objective thinking. So I suppose that's more like GP right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So more on your internship, for example, like um, with what resources and platforms like do you find to apply, do you use to find and apply for your internship? Um, mainly LinkedIn, yeah, mm -hmm. and also um, like just asking around friends who have worked in certain industries before, uh, certain companies before, yeah, mm -hmm. um, like for SEMCOP, oh, SEMCOP is the, the next industry that, uh, the next uh, internship that I'm going for, I found mm -hmm. uh, someone on LinkedIn who went for um, a pre-uni internship, yeah, and I just asked him about the job, so I think a lot of the opportunities are not like very neatly found. Yeah. Um, a lot of people do go to like websites with job postings and then like they, they find uh, an internship that suits them and then they apply and they get in. But then uh, a lot of times like you don't even know that a certain kind of in, uh, internship exists until you talk to someone who has done it before. Yeah, so I think that's what happened to me. So I think maybe going on LinkedIn and seeing what other people are doing, yeah. So basically, you just like casually like oh, do we connect with them and talk to them and ask them about internship opportunities? Yeah, yeah, but I think it that that matter is more helpful if you already know what you want, like if you already have that in mind. Yeah. So um, finally, like, do you have any tips or advice for people who are you know trying to look and are applying for an internship pre-university? I think mainly um. Pre-university internships are a bit hard because most internships are looking for like second and third years uh, in uni. So it goes back to what I said earlier about um, going through connections. So going on LinkedIn and seeing opportunities that most people wouldn't really go for, like the opportunities that the second and third years won't gun for. For example, like if you're an accountant and then you want to do a pre-uni internship, like you wouldn't try to go to KPMG because every all the third years are like rushing there. Uh, so you wouldn't stand a chance. So maybe you can maybe talk to like, maybe your your friends that works for a certain company or owns a company and you can offer like free accounting services and stuff like that. Or sometimes it doesn't have to be a company. Sometimes it can be like volunteer work, like just surfing on LinkedIn. I found this um, consulting, like this volunteer consulting network that was built by SMU students, I think. Yeah, and that that was really like, I actually wanted to join that, but then um, I got this other internship. So then 
I couldn't really explore that. And I was more keen on that one. Um, but that's also a really, really good way to um, like offer your services. And also it's volunteer work. So it's kind of like two in one where you get to help others and also learn from the experience. Yeah. Okay. So I think this may be a good place to end our podcast at. Okay. So I guess in summary, like just to summarize what we have discussed today, when you choose universities, you shouldn't just go for like what we have repeated quite a few times and just go for like the prestige or like peer pressure whatsoever. You should really sit down, take the time to reflect and reassess yourself and understand what exactly do you want to get out of university education and use that as a gauge. Determine whether this university and this style of learning is a good fit for you. And regarding gap years, I think actually, like, even though you said your gap year was kind of boring, but I think it's a really refreshing way to look at gap years because my impression of people who decide to take a gap year, right, is that a lot of people think, oh, you have to do a lot of things during your gap year into go for a lot of internships like it's just all very gung-ho and it's just all about it basically just embodies like the kiasu spirit of yeah. Singaporeans right but what you mentioned was just really just take the time to understand exactly what you want out of university education and use that time to work towards that like if occupation is more academic based then take the time to read through the disciplines that you're interested in and gain like a deeper understanding of them. And if that's not what you're looking for, then do other things that will help you build out your portfolio or like aid in your admissions to the university that you want to go to. Yeah. Um, and I'll just add a last point about the whole like gap year thing. Um, I do agree that a lot of people think that a gap year you should be like flying to some like third world country to like help them help the whole country build shelters or something like yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no like that's the impression like people um yeah. which by the way is another like problematic thing but like um wait what was i gonna say oh uh, a lot of the change that takes place um over many gap years that i heard of and also mine from my friends and also mine yeah. um was that a lot of the change takes place internally so Again, it's not something that you can write on your CV. And I don't mean this in a very fluffy way, like, oh, um, personal growth is not something you can, like, measure. I mean this in, like, an actual practical way. Like, if you if you are a more mature person and you're more sure about what you want and you're more mature about, uh, and sure about, like, the philosophies that guide your life, which, by the way, like, I... Uh, I developed also by reading like more philosophy and stuff. I know it sounds uh, it sounds so fluffy. Like it, it's kind of hard to tell people these sort of things because um, they want like they want to know like results. You know, like they want to see okay, you did this 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 internship and you got it. Okay, it makes sense. Then uh, like okay, I I can understand that. But then like if you tell them all sorts of like fluffy things like oh I read this and then I thought about this, they're like okay, so you basically didn't do anything, but uh yeah once you're like actually you have like a good foundation for um what you want out of life and the main i don't know how to say it but like the main guiding ethos of your existence (laughs) so fluffy um it makes it a lot smoother like when you're looking for jobs and stuff and you won't be like me when i was in jc like being like bumping around because oh this person says this is good so like oh maybe I chase that and then the other person says that is good so maybe I chase that like 
yeah, so basically that's what I wanted to say. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. I, I almost forgot. I had just like one last question. It's just like, oh, you know, yeah. <laughs> I forgot to ask this earlier, but, you know, um, when you take a gap year, because like, you know, what you mentioned earlier, there are things that you can't really put into your CV, right? So yeah. what exactly do you like include in your CV? Oh, for my, uh, for my um, application to Oxford? Mm. Oh, uh, I mostly just talked about the books that I've read and what I thought about them. Yeah, the whole thing was just, I think I mentioned about like 10 or so books in my personal statement. And then I tried to link different time periods and different concepts with the broad historical narrative that I was interested in. And then I linked the historical and political narrative to my personal identity. Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I also talked about some personal interests that can really benefit from a deep understanding of history and politics. Yeah, I think that was just it. Because personal statements are actually pretty short. You can't really write that much. Yeah, so mm. that's why I wrote about. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Thank you so much for taking the time to you know do this interview with us. And um, yeah, I hope our listeners had benefited from this podcast episode. And wait, wait, sorry, sorry. Can I add that like um, anyone listening to this podcast, um, don't take my word for like, a concrete view of like applications to Oxbridge like yeah please consult other people as well because it's just like one view okay yeah I want to say that just to like make sure people don't um yeah just take everything I said with a pinch of salt because it's just one person's view yeah okay thank you thank, <laughs> thank you, you so much thank you Bye,